Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very first episode of my solo podcast, Hooked on Fantasy, or Hooked on Fantasy Football, if you're nasty. Uh, I'm your host, Luke Sawhook. Uh, thank you guys so much for checking this out, whether it's live or on streaming platforms, hopefully coming soon this Tuesday. Um, I'm really excited to bring you guys a year-round fantasy football podcast that'll be by, uh, not bi-weekly, two times a week. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday, I'll bring you guys about a 20 to 30 minute, maybe even longer if I'm feeling it that day, have a rant or something to bring you guys uh, about 20 to 30 minutes of content, a bit of a sweet spot, a couple hits, some things I'm thinking about that are either on my mind that I want to share with you guys, uh, some advice to help you win, covering breaking news, etc. cetera. Uh, yes, well, it is year round. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited to do this show. Uh, I've been doing a lot of group shows. And no offense to all, any of my other co-hosts or anything like that. I just felt like it was time for me to, you know, spread my wings and fly, baby. So uh, that being said, let's get into it. So today we have two topics I really want to get into. Uh, first up, I want to talk about some mysterious fantasy teams uh, that I can't really figure out yet. I have I've go back and forth on these guys like every day. Uh, there's a lot of moving gears and components that I think have a big fantasy implications that a lot of fantasy managers should be talking about if they're not already. And uh, up first, we have the Philadelphia Eagles. So everyone knows that the Eagles have a lot of moving roster spots coming off of last season into this year, uh, particularly at the quarterback position, uh, number one. Carson Wentz, who had a very down year last season, has been moved to the Indianapolis Colts, and Jalen Hurts is taking the mantle up at quarterback. And he has a lot of new toys in the wide receiver room. Oh, well, one new toy, a, a very shiny toy, and Devonta Smith, uh, who I think is an excellent talent coming out of Alabama. Uh, in the backfield, we have an intriguing new addition uh, along with Miles, San- Miles Sanders. Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I got scared of his name there for some reason. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, or Kenneth if you're nasty, uh, running back out of Memphis, drafted in the fourth round, I believe, to the Philadelphia Eagles, or fifth, I forget, fourth or fifth. Um, he's a very good receiving back who is electric on film. I really like this tape coming out of college. He did slide, though, down the draft board. So fifth, I believe, fifth round draft capital. Uh, not the most intriguing there, uh, but he obviously will have a role. I mean, you'd be stupid to think that the guy who they drafted it will not have a role, um, especially in a receiving position, because that's what Kenneth Gainwell really um, excels at in college. And he re- excels also at ripping off really long runs. Um, Miles Sanders is clearly the starter, right? We all know Miles Sanders will be getting the lion's share of the touches in Philadelphia. However, Gainwell is really intriguing because if Sanders ever goes down, um, starts to show signs of regressing for some reason, Gainwell really impresses early. We could really see a true RBBC in Philadelphia. Uh, and I think that that's something that a lot of people are, are kind of looking over. Uh, Miles Sanders could have a, a really bounce back year, but I do think that having a receiving threat like Kenneth Gainwell in the backfield is a threat and it's something that people are not really talking about very much that I think could have a serious impact on the Eagles offense. Another thing that's really there that is lingering is Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz has been a long time, very fantasy relevant, successful NFL tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. However, uh, things have soured in Philadelphia ever since Frank Wright departed and went to Indianapolis. And it's clear that they want to part part ways. It's a mutual thing. Uh, they've been shopping Zach Ertz for a few months now, and Zach Ertz, uh, they, they price him very high in trade talks, uh, apparently, um, and he has not been moved yet. However, I do expect Zach Ertz to get moved in some uh, facet before the NFL season starts, and that paves the way for Dallas Goddard to really move into the fantasy football spotlight and see the lion's share of targets at the tight end position. Uh, Goddard, uh, first-round draft pick, uh, who has been very successful, I'd say, for a backup tight end in the NFL behind Zach Ertz for many years now, 
And I think Dallas Goddard is about to get his time to shine here. Uh, Goddard is really interesting for a lot of reasons because I feel like the, the realm of outcomes for him is so large and really depends on Jalen Hurts, who we'll get it to in a moment. Uh, Zach Hurts, sorry, not Zach Hurts. Dallas Goddard is a very talented tight end on the NFL field. The question is, what does the rapport with Jalen Hurts and him look like, especially in the tight end one position? The Philadelphia offense utilizes the tight end a lot. Uh, I just think it's going to be interesting to see a full season with Jalen Hurts and Dallas Goddard connecting. Will it look good for fantasy football? What will the target share look like? What will the targets look like? Uh, touchdown, red zone targets, et cetera. It's, not, it's a lot to project. And it's something that's a little murky. And that's what this whole segment is about as mysterious teams I can't really get a read on. Uh, so the Eagles is a big one. So you got... Devonta Smith, rookie wide receiver. I think he's going to be a stud. I think he's going to be excellent at the next level. But it, it's less of a question mark about Devonta Smith for me. It's more of a question mark about how Jalen Rager gets affected by Devonta Smith's presence. In that Jalen Rager is a talented wide receiver. We all know this. Do I think he was reached on in the draft? Absolutely. Do I think that he is an injury risk? Of course. However, giving him a a fair shake this season will be extremely important for Jalen Rager. I think that Jalen Rager deserves a shot to succeed with a true wide receiver one alongside him. And I believe that Devonta Smith is that guy. Um, if Devonta Smith is injured or has injury uh, issues throughout the season, which is of course possible due to his, due to his poor uh, BMI uh, ratio there, but I'm not a big BMI truther myself. I believe what I see on tape a lot of the time. And I think Devonta Smith has superstar like wide receiver qualities and I really want to see him paired with Jalen Rager for a full season to see what he can do. Um, I think Jalen Rager could be unlocked, or we'll uh, see that Jalen Rager truly was a flash in the pan, if a flash at all. Maybe he was just in the pan, if you know what I mean. Um, but Jalen Hurts as well is probably the biggest mystery of the entire offense. Every fantasy manager should be in on Jalen Hurts for a few reasons, in my opinion. I think that he has huge big game upside, especially for best ball leagues. Uh, his rushing is fantastic for fantasy, really safe floor. And he has the potential, especially in dynasty leagues, to dominate uh, long-term uh, as far as multiple seasons. I think a lot of people see him as a one-year rental, myself included. I, I don't think he is the long-term answer at quarterback for Philadelphia unless he shows some incredible progress this season as far as getting his completion percentage out of the 50s to the 60s, uh, making a Josh Allen-esque leap, uh, if you will. Uh, but Jalen Hurts, he needs to get some work done. And it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out for fantasy football, because I think that he easily has a path to being a top five-ish quarterback if everything goes right for him. But if everything goes wrong, it could really go wrong for Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts could struggle with his weapons. He could struggle with NFL defenses getting a full year of film on him. He could get injured from rushing so much because he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, his arm could honestly just get exposed. We could see a very inefficient passing year from Jalen Hurts, and we could see him maybe even getting benched for Joe Flacco. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's in the realm of possibilities. You know what I mean? And Hurts is extremely risky uh, for a lot of reasons, as I just broke down for you. But the Eagles fantasy football offense as a whole, there's a lot of moving pieces. Let me just recap real quick. Devonta Smith, rookie. A lot of things could happen there. I think he's going to have a great season, but if he gets injured, that could be a recipe for uh, disaster, quite frankly. Uh, Jalen Rager, terrible first season. I think we can all agree there. Didn't get a fair shake, but he's getting one this season. Could take a monstrous step forward and develop into a sophomore breakout candidate, or he could struggle and cement his status as more of a bust than people were expecting. Dallas Goddard. Finally, likely stepping out of Zach Ertz's shadow in Philadelphia, stepping into the tight end one position. 
Will he succeed? Will he get the lion's share of meaningful targets in that offense enough to be useful in the top six-ish, eight-ish uh, fantasy football tight ends range? Because everyone knows tight end 10 and down are a bit of a dumpster fire anyways. So Dallas Goddard really needs something. And then Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell is in an incredibly enticing situation to me uh, as a fantasy football manager there in Philadelphia um, because I feel like there's just a lot of range of outcomes. Sanders could excel. Gainwell could be merely a backup to uh, dispel Sanders a bit and kind of mock his play style. He could fully eat into his workload uh, a la J.D. McKissick in Washington with Antonio Gibson. There's just a lot that could happen. Um, Philadelphia is a wild card, in my opinion, and I go back and forth on them every day. Um, I, I feel pretty confident in Goddard, Hertz, and Devonta Smith, but Jalen Rager and Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell, I have no idea what to do with. And Zach Ertz is just sitting, collecting dust on all my dynasty rosters. So please, Howie, if you're watching this, for the love of God, take less than a third-round draft pick for Zach Ertz. He's not worth it. He's too old. His contract's expensive. It's just not going to happen, buddy. Sorry. On to my next team here, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, they're a very good fantasy football offense, as we all know, but they've made a lot of moves to bolster the receiving core over the last year by adding wide receivers in the draft, such as Rashad Bateman and Tylen Wallace, and signing a pretty good uh, wide receiver out of Kansas City, Sammy Watkins, uh, to really add a lot more depth to the receiving room. And last season, they ranked dead last in uh, passing uh, in the NFL offenses and in, in the scheme of things, the Baltimore Ravens did. And I think that that was for good reason. I mean, look at their receiving room. If you were an offensive coordinator, if you were Greg Roman, looking at your receiving room or your offense as a whole, uh, might I might I say, your backfield, you have Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, loaded, really, really talented room. Tight ends, you have Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, cool. Uh, good room right there. And, well, Hayden Hurst wasn't there last year, but in years prior. Wide receiver room, however, Marquise Brown and a bunch of dudes, okay? That's, that's the nicest way I can put it. It's Marquise Brown and a bunch of dudes. So, with that being said, this season, it'll be Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, and Tylen Wallace, and there are other depth pieces such as Willie Sneed, Devin DuVernay, Hollywood Brown, etc. Hollywood will probably be starting over one of those guys, probably over Tylen Wallace, but you know what I mean. So, when you add those pieces... In my mind, that signals, okay, they're going to pass the ball more. I'm a believer in Rashad Bateman, a big-time one. Um, I think he's an excellent prospect. I think he would have been all over the place for fantasy Twitter and in everyone's hearts and higher in the rankings if he landed in a nicer landing spot. Uh, the biggest lesson I've learned so far playing Dynasty fantasy football and fantasy football in general is uh, I'm team talent over landing spot, especially for wide receivers. Uh, if you rewind a few years ago, when A.J. Brown was selected in the second round by the Tennessee Titans, uh, everyone kind of rolled their eyes and groaned because uh, Marcus Mariota was the quarterback at the time, and it just didn't feel good. I understand. I get it. It feels gross. It feels it feels nasty. But now we know what we know, and A.J. Brown developed into a monster wide receiver. And I really believe that if you're an elite-level wide receiver in the NFL, it really doesn't matter who your quarterback is. Look at Mike Evans before Tom Brady came to town and Jameis Winston. He still succeeded. Look at DeAndre Hopkins before he got a legitimate quarterback. He still succeeded. I, there's several other wide receivers that fit that same bill. My point being, I'm not too concerned about Lamar Jackson being able to throw the ball well. I'm concerned about the passing volume increasing. And that's the mystery here in Baltimore. 
Rashad Bateman, elite talent, elite draft capital. Things should go his way eventually. But for redraft lens, will the Baltimore Ravens throw the ball more to the wide receiver room? That's It's a very interesting question because the Baltimore Ravens do things differently than any other team in the NFL. They throw over the middle at the highest rate of any other team in the NFL. They throw to the tight end at the highest rate of anyone in the NFL. And I believe they run the ball the most. Might be wrong about that, but they're definitely in the top five. They run the ball a ton with Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram and company. Mark Ingram's gone, but you know what I mean. And another thing is I've seen reports from beat reporters saying that they're thinking that J.K. Dobbins is going to get a lot more receiving work so far this season. Uh, in the offseason, it looks like signs are pointing to that. And I'm really just so intrigued by what Greg Roman's going to do because if I were him with last year's receiving room, I wouldn't want to throw the ball to those guys either. I totally get it. But now you have Sammy Watkins, Hollywood Brown, Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, etc., on the outside and in the slot. I think that that room deserves more ta- uh, more targets, and I think that is what's going to happen. Um, however, it is a question mark, a big one, and that's why they're on this list because it could be the same exact thing as last season, but more efficient. You know, you know what I mean. Um, however, I do expect them to take a step forward. I do think that they move from a bare minimum of thirty second to 27th, something like that. that. That would make the biggest difference in the world. If that happens, 32nd to 27th, you're saying, okay, Luca, that's bottom five. Sure, of course it is. Of course it's bottom five. But if you pull up the target stats to the wide receiver position from 32nd to whatever it was at 27 last season, I guarantee you it was a gargantuan difference. And if those targets go to the wide receiver room in Baltimore this season with the loads of talent better than they had last year, I think it makes all the difference in the world. I really do. Um, I think Rashad Bateman becomes extremely fantasy relevant immediately. I think that Hollywood Brown can see a resurgence is more of a, uh, a guy who gets open easier in the NFL fields because he has actual guys who can run routes across from him. Tylen Wallace could be a very intriguing young prospect. It all comes down to Lamar Jackson as well. It's Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman. I fully trust the Baltimore wide receivers. I, I am very confident in the players they drafted and talent they have in that room now. I don't think it's Maybe even top 10 in the NFL. I don't think that at all. Um, but I do lights going out. It's interesting. Uh, but I do think they will see some success. If they pass the ball and give them the targets that they deserve, they will see success. So with that being said, will Baltimore do it? That's the question. Will Baltimore do it? If they do it, it'll be fantastic. If they don't, I will cry. That That is all. Uh, last up on my list here for mysterious fantasy football teams, the Detroit Lions. Chris, if you're watching this Detroit BC shout out, uh, we have a question in the chat here from Z. If they did open it up, how many pass attempts? 500, 550? I don't know, man. I need to pull up the stats. I don't have them in front of me. However, uh, but I, if Baltimore does increase at all, it'll be a win. And Rashad Bateman can see a crazy percentage of the target share. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely in on Rashad Bateman as long as the Ravens hopefully do it. I am optimistic. Um, as you can kind of tell, I'm optimistic about the future there, but I do think it is a question mark. So that's why they're on the list. Uh, lastly, the Detroit Lions. Okay, Detroit has uh, gone into a pretty full rebuild over there. Uh, they've traded away a lot of their talent or had it walk. Matthew Stafford is out the door. Jared Goff is in. And they have a whole new coaching regime. Thank God Matt, Matt Patricia is gone. Uh, that he seemed to be a terrible head coach for that franchise. Now we're biting off kneecaps in Detroit. If you know, you know, uh, my question for the lions, how will this new receiving core work out? Okay. We have Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perryman, 
Amon Ross St. Brown, TJ Hawkinson, and essentially DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. Because let's be honest, he's just as good as a wide receiver, kind of, as he is as a running back. Because he's an extremely good receiving back. All these players combined does not... Oh, sorry, and Quintus Cephas. Sorry, Quintus. I forgot about you. My bad. It's a pretty low-tier NFL team wide receiver core. Very bad. Very, very bad. Not a true alpha there at all in the slightest. Um, a real mix of wild cards. My question is, who's going to take the step forward? TJ Hawkinson, in my opinion, is locked and loaded to be a top five fantasy tight end this season. Maybe even top three. Uh, Jared Goff is a competent quarterback, and I think he's been discredited by a lot of the fantasy community uh, because he's he's kind of gross. I mean, he's kind of gross, uh, but he gets the job done. He's very much a game manager, but he's intelligent. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he performs outside of Sean, McVay, uh, Sean McVay's offense. I will say that. However, uh, he'll pepper TJ Hawkinson with targets. I guarantee it. In PPR, TJ Hawkinson is going to be a machine. The wide receiving core, though, is a massive question mark. You have Amonra St. Brown, Rashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams, Quintus Cephas. Those are the main guys. Cephas showed flashes last season, but nothing spectacular. Rashad Perryman has been Mr. Inconsistent his entire career. Tyrell Williams was a very successful wide receiver a couple seasons ago. Missed the entire season last year. I don't know if he sat out or it was due to injury. I forget. One of the two. Now he's in Detroit after spending a, a small stint in Las Vegas or Oakland. I think it was Oakland at the time. He's a decent wide receiver. I think he is my Tyrell Williams is my early pick for a sneaky good fantasy value. He's a deep, deep sleeper of mine. Quentin Cephas will probably be the most expensive besides Amon Ross St. Brown and Dynasty, of course, but in redraft from most expensive to least expensive, I expect uh, Quintus Cephas or Bashad Perryman to be the most expensive, then Amon Ross St. Brown, and then who really cares from there on out? You know what I mean? Um, the question is, who's going to step forward? I honestly don't have an answer for you. I don't know. I really don't know. Training camp and preseason will be extremely important to trying to diagnose that answer. But as of now, I can't really help you there. Uh, that's why I have it on this list. It's it's extremely tough to figure out. I really, really like him on Ross St. Brown as a prospect. I loved his tape. Uh, I planted my flag on him as a my guy, as a prospect coming out of USC. Uh, I love this film, loved his intangibles. I think he's a great kid. Very smart, very strong, plays with a real gritty streak. Reminds me a lot of Juju Smith-Schuster coming out. Uh, I, th I think that he could be really good. However, the draft capital did scare me. I thought he was a second, maybe third-round player at the latest, went into the fourth round uh, to the Detroit Lions, or was it the fifth? I believe it was the fourth round uh, to the Detroit Lions. A day three pick, uh, not the best thing in the world. I did see that coming out of OTAs, he does have a massive chip on his shoulder. He's saying, uh, I believe him. I think he's extremely talented. But, you know, draft capital does mean a lot in the NFL. He will get a shot to contribute early and often. Um, so I'm definitely not out on him. But the, the receiving core still remains a very large question mark for me. Lastly in Detroit, the running back room. DeAndre Swift is exceptionally talented. Let me get that out of the way first. DeAndre Swift is exceptional. I think he is a phenomenal running back who can do it all. I see a lot of him as what I see in Alvin Kamara or Kamara, however you, however you want to pronounce it. I think he ha possesses three down back skill set who can tote an extreme amount of carries and be flexed out wide and receive. However, I understand what the Detroit Lions are doing by bringing in a, a very good running back in Jamal Williams to spell him a little bit because Swift isn't the biggest running back in the world. He's smaller. He could be a bit injury prone. They could be going for a thing. Like I just said, he reminds me of Alvin Kamara. 
they could be going for a New Orleans kind of thing where they had Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram for so long. Not saying that he's going to be a Mark Ingram kind of fantasy contributor, but it's a very, very interesting backfield to tackle. DeAndre Swift deserves more, in my opinion. And I think over the next few seasons, he will get it uh, from a dynasty perspective. I think he's a superstar in the making. He's a top 10 running back in my dynasty rankings. But for redraft this year, I don't know if I can trust him as more than an RB2. Uh, I think he, that he'll see a, a very small amount of goal line carries because uh, his offense will not be scoring that much. And I don't think that he will get him over a guy like Jamal Williams. You know what I mean? And I, I think that as much as I love DeAndre Swift, I do think it could be a bit of a down season for him this year. I think he's exceptionally talented, but I just think we might have to wait a little while. And the reason they're on this list as a question mark, this running back room for me is because, like I just said, there's a very large array of outcomes for this team, in my opinion. Swift could easily finish a top 10 running back. If you if I woke up tomorrow and you told me you were from the future and said, hey, DeAndre Swift finishes the RB4 this year, I'd be like, all right, that makes sense. I guess they just really fed him the rock and Williams wasn't there for much to dispel him every once in a while on first or second down. And Swift got a lot of the work, got a lot of targets, got some touchdowns. Makes sense. Really makes sense. He could have a great year. However, a lot of redraft analysts, including with my own redraft rankings, don't have him in their top 15 or so. Uh, for good reason, in my opinion. I think that it's just so murky in Detroit right now that it's going to take some time to find out who's the guy and what that system is going to look like. I think it's going to be an RBBC, and I think it's going to be a little ugly at times. Sometimes the under Swift is going to feel fantastic. He's going to feel like your best friend in the world for fantasy. He's going to be your number one running back. He's going to put up a big week every once in a while. Totally get it. Hopefully he can stay on the field and stay healthy. That being said, it concerns me. It does. It, there's a lot of moving pieces there. New coaching staff, new running back additions. They didn't draft DeAndre Swift. They signed Jamal Williams. You know what I mean? Signs are pointing elsewhere uh, than, than giving DeAndre Swift all the carries in the world, all the targets in the world, giving him all the goal line work, etc. Swift could struggle a little bit. And I'm, I'm just a little concerned. All right, coming up on the 20 minute mark here. And uh, let's get into my, my next segment here. going to make this one a little bit shorter. My favorite late round quarterbacks for redraft. Uh, I like to cover dynasty and redraft and a little bit of best ball here. If you're nasty uh, on hooked on fantasy over here. And I do think that diving into redraft right now is a good time. Uh, we got a little comment from Z here, my boy. He said, I told people that Swift's role wasn't safe when I saw the Lions running back coaches were at UNC's pro day. <laughs> I agree, man. I mean, the running back coaches were there looking at other running backs. I totally get it. They were looking to add to that running back room. They didn't draft one, thank God. If they drafted Michael Carter or Javante, that would have been really concerning. But Jamal Williams is nothing to sneeze at. Anyway, back to late round quarterbacks for redraft. So I'm a I'm of team uh, late round quarterback in redraft. I just did a show with Hutchison. Uh, from Twitter, go check out his podcast, uh, the fan, the young, the young fantasy mind, I believe is what it's called. I discussed it over there with him. Really, really great show. Great guy knows his stuff. Amazing. Um, amazing content. We did a show about, uh, late round quarterback hit rates and quarterback hit rates in general. Uh, after it got rounds one through three was a hundred percent hit rate. And as it went down, it got that lower and lower and lower. Well, some things that really stuck out to me was in those mid rounds around like round 10 to seven. It was still about a 50% hit rate for a quarterback one or higher. Well, not or higher <laughs> quarterback one's your ceiling, but it's pretty easy to hit on the late quarterbacks. If you know what you're doing, in my opinion. 
And uh, today I'm going to present to you guys my favorite late round uh, quarterback pick. So up first we have Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill's ADP is going to be really interesting come August, in my opinion, because Tannehill just got Julio Jones. He has Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. The thing about Ryan Tannehill that's really interesting is that he's never going to be a Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott kind of quarterback where he throws the ball 50 billion times and leads the NFL in passing yardage. The Tennessee Titans offense is built around Derrick Henry, and when Derrick Henry is not running the ball, they have a very efficient, really, really smoothly running passing offense. And Ryan Tannehill is a masterful conductor of that offense. Well, I think we can all agree that he's been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL for the last couple seasons in Tennessee. Him adding Julio Jones is just another massive bump in his stock, in my opinion. And I think Ryan Tannehill is likely going to finish as a top 10 quarterback this year, maybe even top eight, top, not top six. Top eight, I think, is within his realm of possibility. I think he will finish as a QB1 unless something goes terribly wrong. Uh, Ryan Tannehill will be drafted later than he should be. I guarantee you right now that my rankings will have him higher than his ADP. Guarantee it. Absolutely 100% guarantee it. Ryan Tannehill is my favorite value in fantasy redraft quarterbacks right now. I think he's going to be very consistent, very good, and I think that his weapons are juicy. And you could also pair him with a stack like A.J. Brown and Matt, uh, not Matt Ryan, A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill, Julio and Ryan Tannehill later in your drafts. That could be awesome for you some weeks. Uh, I love Ryan Tannehill. I think he's going to have a very efficient year with his new weapons, and it's going to be a great time for everybody involved. So go get your Ryan Tannehill shares, everybody. Uh, up next, we have Matthew Stafford, new quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, Stafford has always been a really good fantasy quarterback when healthy, especially over the last couple seasons when he was healthy. Uh, I'm emphasizing that because he's had some major health issues lately, which is a bit concerning. Uh, but I have faith in Stafford and being the Iron Man of his career that he usually was until these back ailments that have been bugging him for the last season or so. Uh, Stafford has great weapons in LA. Great weapons. Jared Goff was a French QB1 when he was in LA with those weapons. We all agree that Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. If you don't think so, you need to get your head examined. That's plain and simple. Matthew Stafford is a much better quarterback than Jared Goff. Sean McVay is an offensive genius. We all know this. He will be fully able to execute uh, Sean McVay's playbook in the way that uh, he did not get with Jared Goff. Matthew Stafford will open up the playbook. He will stretch the field deeper. He's not a game manager. He's he's a lot better than that. He can do more things. And I think that he'll be able to feed Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, in that offense a lot better than previously done by Jared Goff. Give me Cam Akers out of the backfield all day long. He'll make checkdowns. It'll be fantastic. I just think that Stafford is going to be electric. He'll be a really, really good connection. He's got a comment saying Stafford to cup his fire. I totally agree. That stack will be really, really nice in redraft and excellent in dynasty as well. You want a cheap dynasty quarterback that shouldn't be as cheaper, uh, shouldn't be as cheap as he is. Matthew Stafford is almost top of my list. Him and Ryan Tannehill. Okay, I get it. They're in their 30s. It doesn't feel young. Everyone in dynasty wants people under the age of 26. Guys, I get it. I play Dynasty. I love building young rosters. But if you want to win championships, and that's what I'm trying to help you guys with on here, you need to get the older players. You need to invest in these veterans that are cheaper than they should be, who put up elite numbers. Matthew Stafford, he could finish as a top five fantasy quarterback. Sean McVay is very smart. He knows what he wants to do with this team. However, if Matthew Stafford leads this team the way he should lead the team, and they see great success in these passing volume offenses, these high passing volume offenses, Stafford will throw the ball a lot. And I think he could be very efficient as well. I think this offense will be 
really, really good. And Matthew Stafford is going to put up some excellent numbers, in my opinion. Uh, my last quarterback that I'm in love with this year for redraft, because he just feels gross. Every year he feels gross. No one wants to draft this guy. But it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady was so damn good last season for fantasy football, especially at the back half of the year when he started to actually learn Bruce Arians' playbook. The fantasy footballers talk about this all the time because they were big Arizona Cardinals fans and they're very familiar with Bruce Arians. It's common knowledge that Bruce Arians' quarterbacks need a season to fully learn and understand the playbook. Their second year is usually a lot better in Bruce Arians' offense. It's, um, it's historically proven. Any quarterback that had a one year in Bruce Arians' offense, the second year was always better. Always. Almost always. Like 90% of the time, every quarterback after the first season did better. Tom Brady, one of the most intelligent, best gamesmen we've ever seen touch an NFL field, struggled with it. After that season, that was very, very good. He finished as a QB1, a high-end one, I'm pretty sure, like QB8 or something like that. He was dominating the NFL playoffs, led the NFL playoffs and touchdown passes over Patrick Mahomes. He is just going to be a force this season. As long as he doesn't take a step back, which I am no longer betting on him doing because I've learned my lesson, Tom Brady will excel this season. I think he's going to be a steal in every single format, redraft, best ball, dynasty, especially dynasty. If you're a contending team in a startup draft, if you're building a contender, you can see it starting to unfold in front of your eyes. Draft Tom Brady, please. Please draft Tom Brady. Like I got so lucky in one of my startups recently. I got Mahomes at the 102 because Christian McCaffrey went 101. Thank you so much, Blair, for doing that. You are an amazing human for letting Mahomes slide to me. Thank you so much. I got Mahomes, built a nasty roster, wide receiver and running back depth, and then took Tom Brady in like the fourth round of the Superflex draft. It was incredible. I'm going to win a championship with that team this year, I bet. And Tom Brady is going to be the reason why. Because I got him at a severe discount for extreme production. And that's what fantasy is all about. You're looking to find value in places that people aren't looking. Sure, I know everyone on fantasy Twitter likes, likes Tom Brady. But that's not why I'm here. I'm here to help you win. And you need to be in on Tom Brady this season for fantasy football. Because that receiving core is the most disgusting group of humans I've ever seen assembled in the best way possible. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Tyler Johnson, and Jalen Darden, who's one of my favorite receiver prospects coming out this season. That is the most loaded receiver room I may have ever seen with my eyes. Seriously. Tight ends, you got Gronk, OJ Howard, Cameron Bright, running backs, you got Rojo, Leonard Fournette, Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, it's it's a loaded, loaded, loaded group. And I think that Tom Brady's going to feast. I think he's going to feast. I think he's going to be an excellent, excellent fantasy quarterback. And yeah, those are my three favorite late round targets, guys. So that wraps it up our first episode coming in at just under half an hour. Thank you guys so much for watching or listening. This will be streaming very soon all over uh, every streaming platform. This is the first episode of the Hooked on Fantasy podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening or watching wherever you are. Uh, we will be year round every Tuesday and Thursday on streaming platforms or live streamed live recordings. Whenever you can catch them, I will be live streaming them whenever I feel like it to record them for the Tuesdays and Thursdays. So if you ever feel like watching the show a little bit earlier and watching live, hanging out in the chat with me, uh, come and check it out on Twitter, YouTube, or Twitch, which are all on the video that you're watching right now. If you're watching, if you're on social, uh, sorry, if you're listening to a, the podcast somewhere else, it's at Luke Sawhook for literally all of my platforms. Luke Sawhook on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, come drop me a follow and you feel free to DM me any fancy questions you guys have ever I love talking to you, engaging with you, and thank you so much for listening. I will see you 
in a couple days. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you next time. Bye.